future. There are no people. There are no people in the future. No people at all. There are no people in the future. Where did all my people go? There are no people in the future. Let me try my people call. everybody welcome welcome it is monday october 17 2022 welcome to raging chickens out to coop live this is kevin mahoney creator and founder of raging chicken on out to coop live we talk to progressives activists and troublemakers of all sorts right from our own backyard and from across the country you can join us at the end of the week for our friday politics roundup where we break down the good the bad and the ugly in state and national politics and you can also check out our once or twice monthly occasional show, The Wednesday Show, with Cyril Michaleko. Cyril, of course, is the editor-in-chief at the Bucks County Beacon, and he joins me to drill down into Bucks County, Pennsylvania, and international politics. You can get all our shows by subscribing to our podcast on Podbean, iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Frankly, we're everywhere. You can't get away from us. What can I say? And you can help support this show tonight, just tonight, right now, by becoming a patron for as little as five bucks a month. Head on over to patreon.com slash rcpress. Or you can help out the show by heading over to our YouTube channel if you're not there already. Smash that subscribe button, like the screen for this show, and hit that notification bell so you know every time that we go live. And for more PA Progressive Talk, you can tune in to The Rick Smith Show's live stream. It's 9 p.m. Eastern on his YouTube channel, Twitter, Facebook, wherever you get a stream, you're going to find Rick there. Head on over to therick'smithshow.com for the latest across all his platforms. And you got to check out the Sisters of the Night Caucus podcast if you haven't already. The amazing PA women stirring the political cauldron behind this podcast, Rock the House. And they know where the bodies are buried. Yes, make sure to follow them on Twitter at, at the Night Caucus. That's at the Night Caucus on Twitter. And subscribe to their podcast on Anchor, Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you get your podcasts. And for all you gamers out there, The Game In, that's with two N's, The Game In is a Quakertown-based, black family-owned gaming store. They're friends of the show, and they've got everything for Retro N64s, latest consoles, video games for all platforms, collectibles, action figures, Funko Pops, walls of Funko Pops, I kid you not. And like with school back in sessions, kids get discounts when they get A's in their report cards. Come on, it's awesome. And they're the parents of one of my kids' best friends, so come on, get out there and help them out. <laughs> you can check them out on their Facebook page and follow them on Twitter at, at the Game In. that's with two N's. If you got a question about a game, looking for something hard to get, shoot them a message or drop them an email at thegameinpa at gmail.com. And a shout-out goes to Jonathan Mann, who wrote our intro song, There Are No People in the Future. You can check out all his great stuff on his YouTube page and follow him on Twitter at at songadayman, two N's, at songadayman on Twitter. And look, we cannot let Paul Martino and his oligarch friends buy our schools and push extremist politics in our community. Raging Chicken has teamed up with Level Field to launch a truly community-rooted pack to invest in organizing and supporting local and statewide progressive candidates and unmasking the toxic organizations injecting our communities with right-wing extremism. We're putting small-dollar donations to work to beat back the power of big money. You can get more information and drop your donation at ragingchicken.levelfield.net. Well, everybody, I know that people have been excited about this tonight. Got lots of emails uh, coming up here. We got a great show for you tonight. Um, on this week's show, I welcome Sharon Ward to the show. Sharon is a senior policy advisor for the Education Law Center. 
statewide nonprofit legal services and advocacy organization that works to secure quality education for Pennsylvania children with an emphasis on students who are most underserved. She has worked for 30 years inside and outside of government to secure quality schools, affordable health care, and people serving budget priorities to empower advocates to work for economic and social justice. And now we're going to be talking about the ongoing attempts by school boards across the country to ban books and right in our own backyards. Um, you know, things like limiting teachers' ability to provide welcoming environments to LGBTQ students and act extremist agendas in our school, you name it. Now, last week, or it might be a week and a half ago now, the ACLU of Pennsylvania filed legal action against the Central Bucks School District for creating a hostile environment for LGBTQ students. And the Penridge School District seems like it just wants a loose lawsuit of its own as it bans books, limits expression, and demands schools be stripped of pride flags. We'll talk with Sharon Ward about the work of Education Law Center in defending rights of all students and the legal hot water Bucks County schools find themselves in. Now, Sharon has served two terms in the Albany, New York City Council, directed Governor Tom Wolf's budget office, and led the government-wide transformation initiative to help state agencies use technology data, collaboration, and social policy innovation to deliver better and quicker services to Pennsylvanians. She's the founder director of the Pennsylvania Budget and Policy Center. And if you are not checking out everything the Pennsylvania Budget and Policy Center does, I don't know like where you're spending your free time because you clearly have too much th- don't have enough time in your hands. Get on over there, check it out. It's just a fantastic resource in Pennsylvania. And that is Pennsylvania's premier progressive policy think tank, and it led, led the fight for an equitable state tax system. She has served as an advisor on state legislation, policy, and advocacy for the School District of Philadelphia, the Montgomery County Intermediate Unit, the Impact Project, Education Voters of Pennsylvania, the Voter Project, and the Keystone Research Center. Uh, Sharon, I feel exhausted just uh, kind of reading through everything that you've done, and I keep on, I feel like she kicked myself for not doing enough, but welcome so much to the show tonight. Well, thanks so much, Kevin. Thanks a lot for having me. Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, I think that, you know, I, I was saying to you a little bit before the show that, um, you know, I first uh, kind of ran into you through the Pennsylvania Budget and Policy Center um, when they were holding PA progressive summits. And of course, when you had the kind of week long uh, conferences about the PA budget, I always found that is indispensable information that kind of got to the root of the issues um, that, you know, for as someone who's not from Pennsylvania, you know, I grew up in New York. I spent time in D.C. I spent time in Ohio. When I moved to Pennsylvania, it was very hard to kind of figure out the players, the background and what's at stake in there. And, you know, the Pennsylvania Budget and Policy Center was always my go to to kind of figure out, OK, let's cut, th- you know, <laughs> let's cut through all that nonsense mm-hmm. and get to what's mm-hmm. at stake in this. So I appreciate your work and, uh, you know, I appreciate you being here and the continuing the fight, frankly. Oh, I'm just happy to do it. I'm very proud of the Budget and Policy Center. I think, um, you know, I left and Mark Steer does a fabulous job. It's a great group of people. And, you know, the, the goal there, uh, the goal there is to take what would be really complex um, state issues on budget and taxes. No one wants to talk about taxes, but help people understand how to engage in those issues and how to understand them. And, you know, my, my interest has always been giving people information that they can use to advocate. And I'm still doing that and, and I'm, I'm enjoying it. Well, it, it's great. Well, I'm glad you enjoy it because I think that we need people that enjoy it right now because uh, mm-hmm. it seems like the assaults are coming fast and furious everywhere we look. So before we jump into what we're looking at tonight, specifically mm-hmm. on the show, um, can you talk a little bit about the work of the Education Law Center um, and the kind of your role within that as a senior policy advisor? Mm-hmm. So the Education Law Center, as you said, really uh, um 
pushes and advocates for high quality education, but our emphasis and our focus really is on marginalized kids, kids who are underserved, uh, kids who are in foster care, kids who are highly mobile, kids who are system involved, and black and brown students across the Commonwealth. And so our, we really uh, do a couple of things. And, and let me say first, I'm policy director, I'm not, I'm not a lawyer, so I'm not gonna give any legal advice, but I'm helping to translate, translate the legalese. Um, to uh, to a non to a non legal audience, um, so we um, have a helpline. Uh, people can call our helpline and and get um, individual representation. We'll uh, provide uh, legal advice, and in some instances, we'll um, we'll represent individual students if they have complaints um, or needs that aren't being met by their school districts. We do impact litigation. The biggest issue for us right now is the fair funding um, lawsuit, which we just concluded. We're very happy with that, and we are That's waiting huge. a decision. Waiting decision from the Commonwealth Court, um, Justice um, uh, Renee J uh, Cohn Jubilee. We expect that'll come after the election. I don't think we're going to see it before the election. So we we got a little bit of time on that one. Um, and we also work on um, you know representing parents. Um, we file many lawsuits against against school districts on a variety of of issues. And what I do is um, really find these issues and work on policy at the school district level and also with the state legislature. And there's a lot to do since they've been very active, particularly on this issue. Uh, I wish I could say that we were always working to advance um, uh, the things we care about. A lot of times we're, we're fighting to prevent bad things from happening. And that's certainly the case here. Well, I have to say that, you know, one of the things that I find most remarkable what the work the Education Law Center does um, is it makes affirmative arguments for equity. Um, and, mm -hmm. you know, I, one of the things that we've got on like on the website and I, I've got links to this in tonight's show notes for everybody. Check it out. They've got like a back to school guide 2022. They always do this back to school guide and flag some of the key issues that are coming up each year. And, you know, I remember this is an issue that we talked about during the last round of school board elections where, um, you know, people who were stepping up to run for school board um, who had never done it before. Right, who are doing that because they were concerned about their schools, um, found out that they were getting what I would consider, I'm not asking you to go here with me, but what I consider is the bad advice when it came to the, the arguments around, um, um, uh, you know, around race in schools, around masking. And they were told that, hey, look, you don't want to get around these divisive issues. You know, you want to steer clear of that and just kind of talk. And by the time that you know, they realized that CRT was like a national phenomenon, they're getting steamrolled by it. It was too late to do anything about it. But one of the things that Education Law Center does is say, look, if you we need to be arguing for equity, right, not just kind of like give us these broad kind of, you know, well, I don't know, well worked PR terms for it. But we need to be make affirmative cases for our kids in our schools if we're going to get there. And that's true in the law, in the legal case that you just talked about. And it's true in everything that the Education Law Center presents on its website. And I really think it's one of the reasons I was glad to have you on tonight, because it really does provide a resource for parents for looking at the policy looking at some of the language and how to construct some of these arguments that we seem to be so necessary right now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think this gets to kind of the why of, of this. And so really two things are happening, I, I believe, or probably three things with uh, all of the activity at the school board level in particular. Um, one is to just to dis distract 
us and parents and communities from the fight for fair funding, the fight for an equitable funding system. Uh, there was just a, a new analysis that was done by Research for Action this past week that just came out um, that that showed that Pennsylvania has the most inequity between students, white students and black students and students of color in, in access to resources. So we are once again, number one in the worst possible way. And so all of these activities are, are a distraction from that. Um, the second is obviously around the elections, which you talked about. And uh, I thought that your guest from a couple of weeks ago, uh, Alyssa, really made a very good case for the links there. And then the third is obviously there There are serious disagreements around equity, equity, inclusive education, rights for LGBTQ students. And so there are policy disagreements. Uh, one, one of the things that happened that's so disconcerting, literally over the last 18 months is uh, particularly before George Floyd, but then after George Floyd, George Floyd's murder, school districts and the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania were really pushing equity audits, DEI, inclusive education, changing curriculum, broadening books. And um, one of the things that's happened with these battles of the school board, uh, um, uh, you know, on the school boards is that a lot of those activities have just stopped. Um, school districts have seen those as being controversial. And part of what I think we're all going to be working on now is to help school boards and superintendents understand they're not controversial at all. These are things that parents want. These are things that are necessary. And, you know, colleges want them. They want kids who are prepared for the world, not kids who are cloistered in 1950s education, which is what you seem to be doing in Bucks County. I mean, I feel yep. like, you know, I'm... I, I'm a little bit, you know, I'm a little on the older side, and boy, this is like this is like Ozzy and Harriet writ large, and um, you know that's not where the world is anymore. Right. Uh, so that yeah, so we got to stop that. Well, and I think that you know you had there was this recent poll that came out that you kind of flagged for me earlier, right? Just kind mm -hmm. of uh, looking at and basically confirming exactly what you're saying here is that when parents are asked about what they want in their schools, what I found interesting, like what some of the first questions there were like, well, do you want schools to be free of uh, not, you know, don't want them to be political political battlegrounds? You know, easily that's an easy question, it's a no brainer for like for parents. No, we don't want them to be political battle battlegrounds for a school. But even when you dig down a little bit more on the poll, when you ask the questions like uh what's here when given a choice most americans that's 86 percent, and parents 87 percent, feel lessons about the history of racism prepare children to build a better future for everyone as opposed to feeling that lessons about racism are harmful to children and only 10 percent of americans at 10 or 12 percent of americans 12 percent of parents feel that way so it's even saying when you ask the really specific question about these quote-unquote controversial issues the controversy itself seems to be something that's fabricated for other purposes Oh, I have been saying that all the time. Um, and it's it's really important to understand that this is just inflaming parents unnecessarily. So that's number one. They're scaring kids with terms like, you know, eliminating sexualized content in, in schools and pornography in schools. I don't know if you saw the Doug Mastriano comment about, you know, on day one, he's going to eliminate pole dancing in elementary schools. It does feel like we're in an alternate reality. I gotta say, we really do. So, so that's they're inflaming parents unnecessarily. Um, right. And I think the other thing that's really important is none of this is actually about giving parents more power or more rights. 
First of all, parents are the most important decision makers for their kids. So everyone agrees with that. And in Pennsylvania, there are a lot of safeguards for parents. Um, there's a, a lot of transparency. There are opportunities for parents to review curriculum, to opt kids out of curriculum. So parents have rights. What these school board members are doing is giving control of education, taking it away from parents, away from educators, and giving it to the, the dentist and the hairdresser down the street, right? right. They're going to be the ones who are, who are dictating what kids should learn, what books they should read. Um, it really is anti-education. 100%. I think you'll appreciate this too, as well as like, uh, as kind of case in point, uh, Ross chimed in tonight in tonight's chat, basically Penridge is having a emergency meeting right now. Right. And uh, brought to us by Joan Cullen, who's the chair of that board. And the emergency meeting is to reduce social studies and history credits. Um, but Ross reports that seems to have backfired. Students, parents and teachers are there speaking out. Um, and then he says, like, Sharon nails it here. Parents see the board slipping back and hurting uh, their students' education. Several uh, parents and students came out and said exactly that tonight at the meeting. So on point, exactly what you were just talking about. Yeah, and I think... Um Parents, uh, parents are be being, uh, you know, you, you talked a little bit about being, um, being behind when it came to these controversial issues and school boards. And that's absolutely true because most of the people don't believe that school boards should be involved in these political issues. And there are so many parents, I mean, Ross is one, but there are tons of parents who they, they're not political necessarily. They just want to do what's right by their kids. They want their kids to fit in. They want their kids to get a good education. They want their kids to feel welcome in their schools. And they're truly heroes. They are really on the front lines, you know, coming out and pushing back against this stuff. But again, the, the, the school board members are clearly running this political agenda. Um, why they want to change graduation requirements? I, I mean, that's just gonna that's gonna hurt every kid. Yes. Um, and, you know, and and uh, there's really uh, you know the curriculum decisions. First of all, it's the the decisions about um, graduation requirements are in state law. They're in they're in um, state regulation. So you are really putting kids' education at risk by allowing them to run roughshod and take whatever whatever um, you know new policy is coming out of these right wing think tanks and and pushing it through and making it um, a new requirement. It's it's just pretty terrible. It is pretty terrible, 100%. And I think that, you know, um, some people were pointing out that with some of the uh, proposals at Penridge um, to alter what was happening in social studies, it was actually going to put them off cycle for taking AP exams um, in some of those areas, which you just like, you just got to, I mean, I mean, if we're at that level, <laughs> right, we're actually going out and having passing policies that are going to directly harm students in terms of their, you know, future education. I mean, this is really where we're at. It's, it's, it's really incredible. Mm hmm so let me let me ask you, let's I mean, because as you know, I mean, um, you know, you've been you know, contacted by multiple people um, kind of reporting here in Bucks County um, about kind of situating what's happening at Penridge and Central Bucks. And I recognize that there's there's differences between Penridge and Central Bucks, but there's lots and lots of similarities, almost as if they have like, you know, kind of little get togethers like periodically to make sure that they're all on point with the same playbook. But can you kind of walk us in? I mean, one hand, we've got the attack on kind of LGBTQ 
um, students. And, mm -hmm. the, you know, we, we know the ACLU has just filed this kind of legal action um, with the federal government asking them to basically step in here, violation of Title IX, violation of, of, of the 14th Amendment. I mean, you know, you know mm -hmm. not your like <laughs> not little small issues here. Right. But so you've got that going on. You've got the, you know, this this ongoing stuff around equity and um, how we teach and what we talk about in terms of, of, say, race and racism and how we teach history and understand stuff. Um, and then we also got the kind of muzzles that are being put on teachers who are really on the front lines with being the first people to be able to help students who are grappling with some really difficult, really difficult things in their life. Mm -hmm. So, I, I mean, I don't know how to exactly kind of talk about those things together. Um, mm -hmm. But I mean, are there what you see is some of the kind of if you had to tear them of some ways about what seems to be most critical going on right now that needs to be attacked and how do you see these pieces playing together? So first of all, there is a playbook. Mm -hmm. Second of all, it's coming. It's been done in other places. And it is a comprehensive review of all these policies. Um, I had occasion to go check out the board policies out of curiosity for an Oklahoma school board. And I just, you know, how you, you follow a link and then you're down <laughs> right, a rabbit hole. Right. There you go. <laughs> and I just looked at all the policies that they've reviewed over the past five years. And it's just that's exactly what we're seeing happening here. So start at the school board level. A lot of it has, has shown up also in state legislation. Um, ELSA first got involved in this last year when Russ Diamond, not one of not one of my favorite people, nope. um, put out the first classroom gag order bill, you know, and that's what they are. They're classroom gag orders. They are, you know, muzzling teachers and students. Um, and, you know, that that's where it started. And since then, we've got a number of other bills that sort of follow in this uh, in this area. I think the one that we have probably on the legislative side that we're going to have the most trouble with is, is the book ban legislation. But I think in terms of how you bucket these things, um, a couple of things. Um, one is, I, I would say that the groups started out being less overtly anti-LGBTQ. So starting with the sexualized content and making the argument on the book bans. So we've got book bans, we've got book reviews, curriculum reviews, material reviews. These things are common and happening in a bunch of school districts. And they are really designed to take decisions away from, from educators and put them in the hands of... Yeah. Of you know of your uh, of your of your dentist. Um, there are um, so we've got those set of policies. Then we've got these gag order policies. So we've seen that Central Box moves right over to Penridge, so-called advocacy policy. I mean, those policies said you cannot do um, partisan electioneering in school, and they completely threw that out the window. So feel free, teachers, to to advocate for, you know, politics for partisanship because, you know, there's no prohibition on that. Um, really trying to prevent teachers from talking and preventing them from having conversations. And so we've got all of those and they're happening a bunch of places. Then we have the targeting teens um, group which is much more overt at this point and much more really focused on, on um, targeting uh, LGBTQ students. And those include now policies that ban book, I'm uh, sorry, that are, um, that are banning names and use of pronouns. Uh, we have, not here, but this is coming, the transgender student sports ban bills. Those right. are coming along. So there's a lot happening in this area. And again, they're, 
They're criminalizing teaching, so that's number one. Um, there are penalties. Uh, I listened to something this afternoon. Teachers are getting fired in Florida. They're getting fired right. in in Florida for saying something. They're getting fired for a you know a link to a banned book. Um, so that's a problem, and it, it, it's a problem for so many reasons. But for God's sake, we are you know we don't have enough teachers. Teachers are leaving the field. Um, we need we need professional educators, and this is such a hostile environment for them. We're going to end up with you know forty kids in a classroom everywhere across the state because of these attacks. Yeah, and not only will it be forty students in a class, but they're going to be taught by your dentist too as well. So not only will they be <laughs> running the school board, but when your dentist <laughs> retires, you know they're going to have to pull that same dentist in to kind of like teach the classes because you know they're going to have your standardized like curriculum right, direct from Christopher Rufo's kind of like right wing kind of mm -hmm. network, and then drop it right in there so your dentist can kind of like you know spit it out. So let me just okay, let me. Let me ask you about this. So a couple things, you mentioned this, and this is a line that I've been trying to tease out throughout these, um, throughout, especially the past couple of years. You said that, you know, those book bans are about kind of removing the decision-making from professionals, right? Professional educators and putting it in the hands of these school boards, which are really kind of like, you know, I, I would look at them as kind of adjuncts to kind of local right-wing political machines and things like this. But so you have that, that component about taking stuff away from um, professionals and making decisions around the book bans. Then you also have kind of drawing what it seems to me, a line between teachers and students, right? Making the teachers enemies, right? Um, supposedly in this narrative, at least that's being constructed. And basically telling that student that, that you were reaching out to that teacher, the teacher was the, was the sole person that you had to touch. Now you're no longer going to be able to do that. And the parents are demonizing those teachers. And at the same time, we had Paul Martino, our kind of right-wing funder extraordinaire in Bucks County. He showed up at a, a Central Bucks um, school board meeting. I believe it was in the spring. And this was after the kind of that round of elections and things. He basically basically said, okay, and then now I want you two Democrats who were just basically endorsed by PSEA, right? You're going to have to excuse yourself from any future contract negotiations because you were endorsed by them and you're biased. So then you have to excuse yourself from there. And I see that as like, there's the third, like a third round of attacking teachers and attacking any kind of mm -hmm. teacher authority or professional expertise in the classroom. I mean, and all of those put together seem to point directly towards the playbook that we've been seeing since I remember, like, you know, when the the Alec playbook started being, you know, uh, uncovered mm -hmm. back in 2009, 2010, uh, basically targeting public schools. Right. And the public funding of public education. Right. Um, as the key target. And that was seen as a as a, a target for privatization and the removal of, you know, public accountability. I mean, I don't know if I'm going too far down my own rabbit hole here. No. Nope. Um, what do you no. think about that? So there, I, so I really see this as it can be both the thing and it can be another thing. And mm -hmm. it is both the policies, but they are also being pushed to advance a goal of privatization. This is all about school privatization, being funded by school privatizers. They want to scare the American public. They want to scare parents. They don't want them to go to their, to their public schools anymore. Uh, so there's that. 
There is also the issue that you've you've talked about that the teachers unions are very important and very powerful. They play an important role in our in our political system. And, you know, and there is an attempt to delegitimize them and get them out of this process. And that would just leave a a, a field, a, an open field for um, for these um individual right-wing um, financiers of elections. And because we have no campaign finance limits in Pennsylvania, which right. is just maddening, um, it can dr- dump a ridiculous amount of money. I just, I was looking today at the um, the PAC, the PAC contributions and the two that are associated with the Commonwealth Foundation, they've spent like $44 million, $44 million in this election cycle. That is unbelievable. So this is a full sale assault on on public education. And if you want your kids to go to a school that teaches creationism, this is what's this is what your future looks like. Well, and this is 100% why, we, you know, I think we had Ali Shaw we had on last week who's actually drawing that direct line too. Not only do we have the Commonwealth Foundation, so now I think it's so important when people hear the Commonwealth Foundation, they need to think Jeffrey Yass. Jeffrey they need Yass. to think that the guy whose number one issue is the privatization of public schools, mm-hmm. who is funding this entire machine that is both going after LGBTQ kids Right. About muzzling teachers and be able to help our kids in the classroom by restricting our our curriculum and toward that end of kind of privatizing schools. And it seems that what's what's horrible to me about this, like perhaps the most, is that our kids are being used as political pawns. Mm -hmm. Right. um, For an end that's not there. So they might get their goal in the end, um, but you're going to have a whole lot of and I, you know, whole lot of hurt kids along the way, especially when you start removing key resources for LGBTQ youth. Well, a hundred percent. And, and really that is what, that is the, that is the biggest problem here is that kids are just, they're being mowed down. They are just fodder in this. Um, if you look at the don't say gay bill that we have, which is uh, it, more restrictive than Florida's, right? More restrictive than Florida's. And it means that a parent, a, a, you know, a parent can sue a teacher for talking to a kid. I mean, this is literally legislating that kids have to, you know, kids have to talk to their parents or else we're going to sue their teachers. And it hurts kids. Kids need trusted adults to talk to. And they could be the coach. They could be the librarian. They can be whoever it is in the school building. But they need to form a connection with an adult. And, you know, the adults help them manage things. They help them get through conversations. In fact, they help them to manage the kind of conversations that you want to have with your parents. So you're just creating a terrible environment for kid, for kids, leaving them out on their own, leaving them without any adults to help support them. Um, so it's really terrible. And that's what we're going to see. We're going to see uh, a worse environment for kids and worse mental health problems for our kids. Well, and I saw this is precisely like one of those issues that came up in the Central Buck School District, right, where you had a student mm-hmm. who basically said and you had a teacher who said to that student, hey, listen, here's some resources for you to go to. Right. A student who was coming forward, kind of coming out and kind of I don't know all the details of the case. Mm-hmm. Right. All the kind of but basically kind of coming out, seeking out a trusted adult, exactly as you said, right, and a teacher that they trusted. And that teacher responded to them because that's what teachers do. (laughs) And then said, hey, listen, this is not 
you know, my specialty or whatever, but I know here's some resources where you can go that can help you think through these questions that put you connected to the people that can help you work this stuff out. Especially mm -hmm. when we know there's a, like literally like a suicide and mental health crisis among LGBTQ youth, mm -hmm. right? Especially when they're kind of put in this kind of firing line. So it's about taking teachers like that one out of the picture and leaving those kids hanging out to dry. 100% and making the kids targets for bullying, uh, you know, uh, giving them no no form of support whatsoever. And there's just no way this is good for kids at all. Uh, it, it's just terrible. So let me ask you this about, I mean, I know mm -hmm. you said, you know, you're not a lawyer, everybody out there hearing that, right? Um, but given the, the ACLU's legal filings right now and some of the stuff the Education Law Center is drawing attention to, where mm -hmm. do you see the kind of legal jeopardy for these schools? I mean, are they in the, in any kind of serious legal jeopardy? Um, these claims about in the violation of Title IX, the violation of the kind of 14th Amendment, um, are these these schools don't seem to be too scared by that for some reason. And it seems to me that they should be because these are major educational issues um, that I think that the federal government may indeed have some sort of um, investment in. Sure. So I think I think it's fair to say that Central Bucks and Penridge do not apparently care how much money they spend on lawyers. That's that's clear. I think it is the case in other school districts where they will look at this and decide they do not want to wade into this this controversy at all. So I think there are obviously a couple of things. There are First Amendment claims. There are 14th right. Amendment claims. There are, um, you know, um, the rights of transgendered students, both from the standpoint of using their names and pronouns and also on the sports side, there is a growing body of case law um, that supports students' rights that says that, you know, um, or discrimination based on sexual orientation or gender identity is sex-based discrimination. The U.S. Department of Education says we have a Supreme Court ruling. We are going to rigorously enforce that Supreme Court ruling. So that's what you've got. And I think that's one of the reasons that has ramped up um, some of the, some of the, Pennsylvania Family Institute and their and their law firm, um, because these you know the courts have ruled even in places like West Virginia that mm -hmm. students have rights. So um, so I think think parents should understand that don't believe this stuff. Um, they sh again they shouldn't believe that they don't have uh, power over their kids' education because that is that is very clearly written in Pennsylvania law. Parents have a lot of a lot of decision making power and a lot of transparency um, there. Uh, on the the you know the First Amendment claims are a little bit harder. They're a little bit harder. Um, more so for teachers. Teachers actually don't have um, as many First Amendment rights as you would think, but students certainly do. So we have that. Um, Title Nine does. I mean, it's just the legal. Don't trust the legal claims that come out from the other side. I think that's the. I think that is my blanket advice. I don't give legal advice, but I would say, <laughs> don't trust their legal claims. Um, the Education Law Center has now a bunch of all of the letters that we've written on all of these issues are on our website. They go through chapter and verse. Um, the legal arguments uh, against the school board's uh, policies in Penridge and, um, and Central Box. So people should use them freely, share them. Um, they're good, solid law. And, you know, again, 
I think we're doing this in part to put the school boards on notice, but we're also doing this to help parents understand that, yes, your child's rights are being trampled. Yes, your yes. rights are being trampled. And so you do have the law on your side in many of these policy discussions. And and just keep trying, just keep bringing that out and, you know, talking about that at your school board level. Um, and I, I think it will scare off a lot of other school boards. Well, and it seems to be the kind of the, the kind of tools that I think uh, parents and community groups that have been organizing, um, pushing back. Um, you know, I, I look at perfect thing for a reading group, right? <laughs> Let's pick mm-hmm. up one of these policy mm-hmm. things and sit around and kind of walk through how we're going to take this into the next school board many, uh, meeting. Uh, Emily just kind of chimed in and said, yeah, you know what? Maybe every time we go to the school board many um, meetings that we should also be mentioning Jeffrey Yass's name just so that that kind of gets in the news every single time. Mm-hmm. Um, make sure that we kind of know that these legal, cra- you know, I think that w- there was a period of time and I'm, this is okay. This is the optimistic me. Um, a lot of times I'm the, I feel like I'm the dark cloud in every room, but the mm-hmm. optimistic me is basically saying, you know, look, and this is true. I think of all social movements is that, you know, the, the, the big money comes in and they drop a hammer and things move really fast. And there's no doubt they have moved fast. And there's no doubt that, you know, things like the overturning of Roe v. Wade and so on are coming down like axes to American democracy. There's no doubt about that. And social movements tend to be a little bit slower in terms of their response and building this and, and building up this thing. But ultimately, when you have the power of numbers <laughs> and people mm-hmm. are educated about this and can strategize effectively, they win. Right. Um, and again, it's not guaranteed, but there seems to be that moving in that direction. The fact that, you know, school board um, people are showing up to school board meetings and they're coming armed with, you know, information, background um, and kind of an understanding of what this playbook is all about. Mm-hmm. So I look at these kind of you know skills. I think this is absolutely critical. Sorry. Mm-hmm. No, no, I think you're absolutely right. And um, so I think for parents, it's going to be really important to A, look at the poll. The polling data is clear. Um, Most parents do not want politicians to build their political careers by trampling on teenagers. They don't want that. So you have other parents feel the same way as you do. You should feel empowered. Uh, Secondly, um, it's it, please do talk about the fact that this is a they're trying to change the topic from making sure that schools are fully funded and adequately funded. And so reminding them that that's their job and that if we that schools need to be fully funded. And, you know, I think that third thing is not being afraid to say, yeah, we think it's important to teach the history of racism. Yeah, we think it's important to not, you know, bury conversations of slavery and reconstruction. Yes, we we believe that our LGBTQ kids should feel safe in, in our schools. You know, like I, I think all of those things are right and they are also the views of, of most parents. So we are really in the mainstream and they are really the extremists. 100%. Um, just so everybody knows, I just dropped the uh, direct link to the poll info that we're just talking about um, into tonight's chat. You can do check that out. There will also be in tonight's show notes. Um, that's a great place to start. Um, kind of, you know, here's, you know, here's the data, <laughs> right? That's a great way to walk into a school board meeting. All right, here's the data. And one of the things that's always important to know is that, and I think people have picked up on this, is that, yes, you have to go up and you're speaking to the school board, right? And you're letting them know what goes on. But part of what we're doing is that we're talking to everybody else in that room too right the mm-hmm. more that we share the mm-hmm. data the more that we share the arguments the more that we have people going on we're educating the community ourselves through those kind of interventions which is critical mm-hmm. so sharon because i know we're kind of running up on it here so one of the things i, de- I definitely don't want to leave tonight without talking about 
where do we go from here and some of the important resources um, for people. Um, you know, we've already talked a little bit about some of the things that are available on the Educational Law Center's website. That is www.elc-pa.org. Um, again, the link is in the show notes, but there it is right there. Um, you talk about some of the resources. I, I personally, like I, I've mentioned this already, that back to school guide I find just absolutely mm-hmm. fantastic. Um, but there's also a series of other resources on the webpage and some other organizations that seem to be kind of taking this fight directly into the school board. Mm-hmm. Um, so where should folks um, look to go? What directions can we point them? So, uh, so a couple things. One is I do want to, I do want to flag the back to school guide and it's very much for parents and it's about dealing with a, a lot of kind of the, a, the aftermath of this. What, we're, what we are seeing and we'll continue to see is a lot of bullied kids. Um, if you've got a, an LGBTQ student, then you should read our guide about what your rights are because that's going to be very important. Bring that with you when you go into a meeting with teachers, principals, administrators. Um, so a couple of other things. There are... Uh, Obviously, you've got the this great parent coalition in Bucks County. You've got the Advocates for Inclusive uh, Education that is really doing a wonderful job with resources. They're great, so I would definitely go to their website. Um, we have a, a new state coalition that's forming with a bunch of groups that are working on this. Um, some with school boards, some with legislation, and then some also around school board education and elections, uh, which we're not working on, but there are other groups that are working mm-hmm. on that. And they have a series of trainings that will start. And it will part of it will be um, the Education Law Center talking about what school boards can't do. And I think we're probably going to repeat that training frequently. And then... Uh, the rest of the training is about how to tell your story, how to engage, um, and how to be an effective advocate. Uh, so that's great. Um, the, all of the, so many groups have stepped up. The ACLU has stepped up. Uh, we've been working with um, um, the Anti-Defamation League. They've been fabulous and supportive. Um, and we have a group called Red Wine and Blue that's also doing organizing. And um, they are also helping people who want to go to school board meetings and frankly, they're helping with a, with supporting and training because they make a good point, which is we don't want to be them. We don't want to go in screaming and yelling. Um, and no, it seems like this the the loudest voice gets you know wins the day, but that's not always the case. And mm-hmm. so keeping keeping our cool while the other side is out of their minds, it can be very helpful. And you'll see more resources that'll be coming in. Um, and the poll, to take a look at the poll. You should read that and study it and walk around because it really does reinforce that that parents, you know, the parents who are working on this issue are, are really in, in the majority. 100%. And uh, just so that people know, the training sh- uh, series that Sharon is talking about, uh, as she mentioned, it's Campaign for Our Shared Future at Education Law Center and Education Voters of PA. Um, there's four trainings that are coming up. Um, on October 20th, which is just a few days away, um, there's a link. I just posted the link again in tonight's chat. It is in tonight's show notes where you can go. You can check that out. You can sign up for um, for some of these trainings. Um, they're like an hour a night. The first one is Story of Self and How to Make a Political Point. On the 25th, it's Education Law Center's School Board. Um, session the Law Center will provide a training around the legal aspects of the school board policies and these kind of trainings there. So that link, do check them out. Um, I'm going to do my best to go. And I was saying to Sharon ahead of time is that... Um, 
these uh, organize are around these organizing frameworks by the uh, from Marshall Gantz uh, and the National mm -hmm. Pico Network. Marshall Gantz does stuff on uh, storytelling and social movements, which is one of the you know people that I teach in some of my classes. When we look into these kind of importance of the of everyday story and how we tell our stories as part of this, um, and you know because the research is, and I don't want to get too heady academicy on this one, but you know the research shows that it's you know just giving people the facts by themselves don't necessarily stick. But when we kind of ask, put the questions about why this matters to me, right, mm -hmm. and how this is connected to my story in an honest and forthcoming way, um, then those facts matter. They matter in a way they can't by just handing out somebody kind of like a bunch of statistics. So we need the information and that's our, you know, those are some of our uh, key ammunition, um, but our stories are so crucial for kind of building solidarity in our kind of movement. So mm -hmm. um, not to go too much of a, like a promo there, but there you go. <laughs> but no, and that's absolutely true. Um, it, it what really moves people is the individual story and the connection that they have with you on an emotional level. I know we're all very fact-based, policy-based, but um, that really works. And I do want to give a shout out to Planned Parenthood of Bucks County and Marlene and the, and the Rainbow Room. And also the Bucks County NAACP has been absolutely fabulous. Totally on this. So you are you are a model. I mean, we really see the organizing going on in Bucks County as a model for other other places, other counties. Well, uh, that's amazing to hear. And I hope everybody is kind of like saving that and playing that over and over on repeat, right? In all of our heads, especially when it feels like, uh, you know, we're kind of, you know, uh, going against the grain because it turns out we're not. We're <laughs> right? not. Uh, mm -hmm. We're not. Um, we're with it. And part of the work that has been going on, the organizing, everyone in the show tonight, um, everyone that's been showing up on those board, everyone who's out knocking doors, um, not just around election time, but has been has been there all throughout the year. Um, you all are really the kind of, um, you know, the critical key um, to, to winning these battles. Um, but so, Sharon, do you have any kind of uh, final words for folks who are kind of out there kind of fighting these fights um, as we kind of move forward? Well, so um, I think a couple of things. One is we have had a good backstop in Tom Wolf around not advancing any any bad legislation. And I think that, you know, we have to look at what the gubernatorial candidates are going to do on this. But we're hopeful that we have a good backstop next year. But do we do expect this legislation to move forward. Um, next year is going to be a tough year. Uh, obviously, you know, there's mm -hmm. school board elections. So we're going to see a lot of this happening. And so it may. F and so there's that. And then it may feel like you're losing. But you're not losing. You know, this is this is going to be a long fight. Uh, but, you know, I think it's important for folks to stay in it. The law is on your side. Um, I think we have the correct moral position and we are in the mainstream. So hang with this. And I, I believe we will prevail. 100%. Well, Sharon, I appreciate you so much for coming on tonight. And I appreciate all the work that you've been doing. Um, I mean, especially, I, you know, it's really been um, bolstering the work that you've done that, you know, we've seen you kind of reported on and kind of interviewed in uh, local newspapers on this. Uh, one of the voices that people are able to turn to and have been super, super encouraging. And I also kind of, you know, appreciate the work that you've kind of, you know, been out in front for a long, for a long time now, um, kind of really fighting the good fight in a way that um, I think serves as a model for all of us, right? That it's just staying in it, keep on going. And man, if, if I could keep that kind of that joy <laughs> that you have <laughs> for the work, um, that's so critical. Um, that's so critical. Well, yeah, let me give it just a shout out to our lawyers. Um, Laura McInerney is our legal director. Christina Moon has been writing a lot of these letters. Um, 
kind of got thrust, I kind of got dragged into this, but this is something that's really at the core of what ELC does. Ashley Giles Perkins, who's another one of our attorneys, um, they are working nights and weekends trying to get all, trying to, to be as, as helpful to parents as possible. And we are happy to continue doing that. So just keep us in mind. And we're, 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 we're always looking at new ways to fight this battle with you. 100%. Well, lots of thank yous coming your way in chat tonight, Sharon. Um, of people really appreciating the work you're doing. Um, and uh, we appreciate all the work that you are doing, everyone out there in chat and beyond tonight. Um, so we look forward mm -hmm. to it. Um, well, you know, uh, we're not going anywhere, and I know that you're not. So, Sharon, I appreciate you so much for coming on tonight. Um, and we'll be following every kind of everything together every step of the way. Thanks for the invitation. Really appreciate it. Oh, you got it. Well, everybody, uh, like, see this? This is like confirmation of the amazing work that you all are doing. And I'm, I'm so thrilled uh, having Sharon come on tonight and kind of say exactly that. Um, thank you so much. Um, we will be back uh, on Friday for our Friday Politics Roundup. Uh, next Monday, um, we, we may get a recorded show next Monday. Um, is a question about whether or not I'm going to be able to be back kind of in this chair um, during, um, during the time for the show. But I'll keep you posted on that. I want to thank everybody for all the work that you're doing. Uh, thank uh, Sharon and thank everybody at the Education Law Center for all the work they're doing and everyone for the fight. All right, everybody, we're going to call this an evening, and uh, I am feeling great, I got to say it. This is kind of a, you know, we're not going to leave this on a down note tonight. We're going to leave this on a super positive note, um, and there you go. All right, everybody, um, back to it. Um, let's get in the fight. This is Kevin Mahoney, editor and founder of Raging Chicken. Help support us. Head on over to patreon.com slash rcpress tonight. You got it, everybody. We'll see you out there in the streets. We'll see you online. See ya! I'll fly away.